Hi everyone, this is Steve Wilcox. Let's jump right into our passage for today. Exodus 34, verses 29 to 35. When Moses came down Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them and asked Aaron and all the leaders of the community to come over, and he talked with them. Then all the people of Israel approached him, and Moses gave them all the instructions the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him. And the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. Okay, to recap and set the stage here, we know from verse 28 that Moses has been on the mountain for 40 days and nights and has not had any food or water. He's been speaking with and listening to God for those 40 days, and he starts down the mountain with a new copy of the covenant that God has made with his people, the Ten Commandments. So here Moses comes, down the mountain. Just imagine the different thoughts going through the minds of the Israelites as they see him come into view. I'm sure there was great fear and trembling on the part of those in the camp as things did not go so well last time Moses came down the mountain. Now to complicate things, as Moses again comes into view, it becomes very apparent that there's a little something different about his appearance. In fact, his face is glowing with a blinding brightness, a radiance that makes it impossible to look at him directly. This physical phenomenon is an amazing miracle. Verse 29 tells us two things about this miracle. One, Moses was unaware that there was anything different about himself and that this miraculous attention-getting radiance was due to the fact that Moses had spent time with God over those 40 days in a conversational relationship. Pretty amazing. So, did the Israelites rise up in a great victory shout that their leader has returned, surround him, and lift him up on their shoulders rejoicing and anxiously awaiting what God might have said to them? Uh-uh, no. They, uh, they run and hide. But thankfully, that didn't seem to phase Moses too much at this point. And we see him next calling out to them from behind the rocks and bushes, encouraging them to approach him and hear what he has to say. First the leadership, and then the rest of the camp and congregation. And we're told that all of Israel came near to hear what he had to say. And we find out that Moses told them everything that God had given him to share. Nothing was held back. So we find out... At that point, when Moses has finished speaking with them and instructing them regarding God's message, message, he put a veil over his face to cover that radiance. And that covering was probably made of cloth or leather, perhaps. Um, and when Moses would go back and speak with God, he would take the veil off until he came out again. 
he would again uncovered convey the message that God had and then when he was done with that he'd put the veil back over his face and this happened you know multiple times as more things were revealed by God uh, this is an amazing story and it's rich with applications for us today it's filled with dramatic symbolism as we'll find out later in the scriptures it points to these other events that have some similarities in other parts of God's word and so let's take a look at some of those. Perhaps we can uh, get some application for today. Number one, it was a miracle that Moses was able to be in God's presence for 40 days and 40 nights without the need for food and water. Well, I'm glad that God does not require this uh, no food sacrifice for us very often here. It does make a dramatic point. The only real nourishment that we need to survive and thrive and flourish with God is his word and his presence. In fact, this made is more is made a bit more applicable in Deuteronomy 3:8. It says, "Man shall not live by bread alone, rather from every word that comes from God." And Jesus even quoted this scripture while he was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness in Matthew 4, uh, which incidentally was a 40-day trip for him as well. Uh, the main point is that to be at our radiant best and to be useful in God's kingdom, we need to spend time with him, soaking up what he has to say. And we do that by prayer, by the scriptures, uh, being filled with God's spirit, uh, spending time in worship, and, and spending time with God's family. Uh, and, and by doing those things in a very practical, we can uh, share God's glory with other people. Uh, a little bit of personal application here. Uh, I'm self-employed, and I work alone all day, every day, in my home office. And I'm acutely aware that my financial stability and cash flow are dependent on my direct actions. If I don't get into the office and work and do my thing, nothing happens. Working in this environment, in this environment, it's easy to forget that God is with me. When I think I'm alone and without a leader, I start to think that it's all my responsibility, but it's not. The facts are that God is with me, and he gives me the ability to make money and to provide services to people, my clients. I need to remind myself that I really don't go it alone, even though you know there's no physical presence there with me, just like when Moses was gone from the camp, I need to, be, I need to remember and be proactive and seek him even when I don't feel that he's close to me or that I'm close to him. The facts are he's still there and, and working for me. But seeking him reminds me that he is only a prayer way and that he's going ahead of me and is with me as I tr try to provide for myself, my family, and the other things that I support. I think God is pointing that truth out here. We really need him and his word and making that a priority is literally the best thing we can do with our time. I also love the fact that just because we screw up the first time, God is in the business of second chances. The last time Moses came down the mountain, he was not glowing. He and God had been interrupted by the rebellious Israelites. So God blew the whistle, said, all right, everybody out of the pool, and he handled the situation. But then he moved on, continuing with his plan of redemption for his people. The next time Moses came down the mountain, he was glowing with God's glory, and God was presenting his divine promises to his people, his covenant. I hate to admit it, but I am way too much 
like the Israelites. This truth gives me great assurance of God's goodness and forgiveness for me when I sin and am stubborn. He is always ready for me to turn to him, ask for forgiveness, repent, and then move on, get on with business. Okay, one of the amazing things about this section of scripture is the fact that what is up with the glowing, radiant face of Moses? Well, it's pretty hard to deny that there was something different about him that was meant to get attention. The radiance confirms that God was working through Moses. He was God's chosen leader, and it was a daily reminder to those stubborn Israelites that he was the messenger of God to the nation. It was a stamp of God's approval and authenticity. The miraculous radiance is found elsewhere in the scriptures too, um, and you can check those out at, uh, at another point. But we know from 1 Timothy 6 that God dwells in unapproachable light. And probably the most direct application elsewhere in the scriptures is when Jesus is transfigured before his crucifixion and resurrection. Matthew 17 tells us, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now before, Moses has, had been the intercessor for the people. In our more perfected version of the covenant, in the Matthew account, Jesus himself is the one who intercedes for us now and on a permanent basis. Moses had the honor of being a picture of the Christ in a very dramatic manner in the Exodus account. This is a great truth and a lesson for us and a lesson for us as we read these events. We have a powerful God-approved champion on our side who will lead us and guide us. It's fantastic. Uh, it's also important to note that Moses did not realize that he was glowing. I think that this shows the power of humility in our lives. We know that Moses was a meek and humble person from Numbers 12.3. And we know that God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble from James 4, 6. So to really be used by God and ha to have the ability to, to hear what he has to say to us and to others, we must be humble. Pride is not a useful tool in God's kingdom. This story gives us a powerful tool to gain this humility. Spend time with God and listen to what he has to say. Dwell on his words. Humility will come, and most likely, we won't realize that our humility quotient has been increasing. It's, it's a funny thing. Humility is a particularly difficult virtue to get a solid grasp on. The moment you start thinking, hey, I'm pretty humble, bam, you're not. You're prideful. So spending time with God is the solution. So moving on. So next, what's the deal and meaning of this veil that Moses wears? We don't get a lot of insight about this from the, from the Exodus passage. In fact, there is some debate as to whether Moses wears the veil as a convenience to those around him since he was glowing all the time. Moses, honey, can you turn out the light? I'm ready to go to sleep. Oh yeah, your face is glowing. Never mind. Or he wore it because the radiance would fade over time until he went back into God's presence and got charged up again. 
this fading glory may not have gone over well with the stubborn and rebellious Israelites. And so Moses minimized this fading effect by wearing the veil. Hey guys, Moses is only glowing at half power. Maybe we can make some small idols and he'll never notice. Thankfully, the Apostle Paul makes reference to this veil in another section of scripture, and it doesn't so much focus on the actual veil debate that I just described, but rather it gives us insight into the imperfection of the old covenant and the perfection of the new covenant, the one written on our hearts through Jesus rather than the cold stone tablets carried down the mountain by Moses. In 2 Corinthians 3, 13 to 16, it says, we are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You know, the veil here is representing a wall, a blockage, a chasm uh, between us and God, and it needs to be removed. It needs to be bridged. Thankfully, Jesus has done that for us on a permanent basis. We're unable to do it for ourselves. So to me, the greater encouragement of this scripture to us is this. Live in the new life that Jesus has provided for us. Live under the new covenant. Don't walk in the old way of life. Don't think like a slave anymore. Think like an adopted son who has been given power and love and a sound mind and who has God's Holy Spirit indwelling us. Forget about what lies behind and focus on the promised land before us. So through Jesus' work in our heart, we no longer have to have something between God and ourselves and be fearful of his glory. We can, like Jesus and Moses, manifest God's holiness and glory through our everyday actions of love and kindness. And perhaps when we do this, God will even grant us moments of spiritual brilliance, just like Moses experienced. So let's pray. Dear Lord, Thank you so much that you have removed anything that stood between us and a close relationship with you. Your grace has provided for us now and for eternity. It is only right that we place you in the rightful place as the Lord of our lives. Thank you for the stories you provide for us that show how real people interacted with you. We can learn powerful lessons from these people and stories. The Israelites show us that we can be very stubborn and hard of hearing, but you are faithful. Moses shows us the better path is to spend time with you and humbly obey. It shows that we can walk with you and show your miraculous glory and love to the world. Please help us shine for you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.